BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to the Yanks Go Yard Podcast, the only podcast that gets you Bronx bombed on a weekday afternoon. I'm Adam Weiner alongside Thomas Carinante. The Texas Rangers have won the 2023 World Series. Count five days from the end of that, and the offseason begins, which means the Yankees are back in business after taking the month of October off. Should the audit have started sooner? Probably, but is it about to start? Apparently, we learned a little bit more today about what it is, so we'll obviously talk about that after screaming about it. A bunch of former Yankees took a picture together after the Rangers won the World Series. And after the Yankees took all the Rangers' bad players away to help make the Rangers good again, we'll talk about that as well, of course. Are the Padres completely broke? And will it affect the Yankees' pursuit of Juan Soto? Plus, is it about time the Yankees found a role for a former fan favorite in the dugout, considering how many interviews Carlos Mendoza is getting for managerial jobs? All that and more. Find us live on uh, YouTube Mondays. Thursdays, 2 o'clock Eastern. Also on all podcast platforms in an audio version afterwards. That's Apple Podcasts. That's Spotify. We're there. That's Google Podcasts. If you want to rate and review us on those platforms, we love it. If you want to subscribe to our YouTube channel, we can get you more great content. We love that too. We had a special guest a little bit, a little while ago, Jabba Chamberlain. We have another special guest next week, live yeah. on Thursday's stream. Get excited for that. And yes, I did say live on Thursday's stream, not just on the channel, but live on the stream so if you're not watching uh live you might want to watch live next thursday um and today's show uh joined by thomas carinante of course we are sponsored by super draft and thomas has an offer for all our fans listeners viewers you guys ready for the super draft uh have you heard of super draft dfs uh super draft hosts daily fantasy uh, prop games where you can compete for a chance to win cash prizes pretty good deal the game is simple For each contest, you are given a pool of props for upcoming games. You pick whether each prop will be over or under the given total. You can choose up to eight different props for a bigger win, kind of like a parlay escalator. Um, So if you want to join in in on the action, we've got you covered. Yanks Go Yard is here. Sign up with our promo promo code FAN today and receive a deposit match up to $20. You will also receive a free pick in your first game. Think of it like a, a free square and bingo or a free leg to a parlay pretty good deal for a multiplier again use that code fan when signing up um that not only gets you the rewards but it directly supports this podcast adam and thomas your boys coming at you your guys your pals whatever you want to call us helps us so make sure to use that promo code again fan f-a-n when you sign up this offer is only available to new customers who are 18 and older um in most 
valid states. Uh, you got to be 19 and older in Alabama and 21 and older in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Take note of that. Please remember to always game responsibly. I guess it's game, not gamble. This I is guess gaming. not. Massachusetts Ooh. makes you wait too. Like yeah. everywhere else, you can get How this American. Done. Yeah, well, Massachusetts, guess. Massachusetts, one of the original 13 colonies. Come on, guys. I mean, yeah. Jesus. Fife and drum. Motherfuckers. <laughs> Can't drink tea until you're 21 in Massachusetts. Come you got to dive into the harbor to get it. Okay. <laughs> anyway, check the episode description for full terms of the offer. If you're interested, be a great help. We'd appreciate it. And here we are. World Series is over. Offseason starts in four days, five days. I don't know when we could start the clock. It, I mean, um, it's not supposed to have started yet, but the Braves extended Joe Jimenez today. So I guess if you want to extend I think extensions people, are allowed. Yeah, you can yeah. extend people like it. We could extend Frankie Montas. We could uh, see that happen sooner oh, rather than later. But the fun stuff doesn't begin for start the clock. I would say four more days and the GM meetings are next week, cool. which, hey, what are the GM meetings? I'm not totally sure. I work in the industry and I'm not totally sure. But last year, James Click left Houston during the GM meetings balls get rolling it's not the winter meetings but stuff goes down you'll get we'll get rumors at least i think that's that's the most fun part of it you'll hear a couple of things and then we can decipher whether they make sense or not or maybe we give the rumors some legs maybe there's validity to some of this i don't know that's all we need though to get the conversation started and have uh and have um everybody involved here chatting and trying to figure things out um, my problem here is uh, I'm. I, I, when am I going to be able to enjoy a World Series again? Yeah. Um, and that it, it has nothing to do with the Yankees being present in it or not. Uh, since 2017, I've had to deal with either the Astros in the World Series, or the Rays in the World Series, um, or the Red Sox in the World Series. Don't forget the Red Sox. And then we have this World Series in 2023, which initially I thought I was. You know what? unbiased viewer rangers versus diamondbacks to me you know a, a pretty dialed in baseball fan um a cool matchup no i know villain yeah. in here like okay sure yeah. it, to the average fan i don't think it appealed much i think game one had the lowest ratings ever or of any uh, championship series this year um in 2023 um so i guess we'll see the final numbers of the ratings when when everything comes out but i think they're gonna be pretty bad yeah Either way, I just I thought I was going to enjoy it as an objective baseball fan having fun, but I can't. Why? Because you have a team like the Diamondbacks, who I respect them, but in theory should not have been there. That's a young team whose uh, youth movement took off way faster than we could have ever imagined. So you look at them, and I understand they had some years of tanking, what have you, but um, you know the ascension of a lot of those young players happening seamlessly while the Yankees can't seem to get one is frustrating. And then you have a team like the Texas Rangers, who – literally dumped all their shitty players on the Yankees literally and we will go through that in a second but then you look at the rest of this team there are a number of former Yankees on it who ended up contributing in a massive way Um, and there are a number of should-be Yankees free agent signings or trade deadline acquisitions that um, help the Rangers to a World Series victory and I know that um, uh, the stars aligned for Texas, you look at a lot of the things that had happened to them. Jacob DeGrom goes down for the year. Then they acquire Max Scherzer. He's not available for most of the time that he's there, and he's not really that effective in the postseason. They still win in spite of all that. But then you look at the Yankees, and they suffer one injury, and the entire fucking building collapses on them. 
Um, team like the Rangers, who have never won a World Series in their franchise, who hadn't been to the postseason in six straight years, manages to overcome the, that type of adversity when the Yankees seemingly haven't done that in four or five years and have uh, kind of dealt with the same old issues over and over again. Um, you know, Corey Seager winning the World Series. I'm so happy for him. First player ever to win the World Series MVP in both leagues, won it in 2020 with the Dodgers. Um, infuriates me. Because I don't know why that's not a Yankees acquisition um, at any point in time, uh, especially when they needed a shortstop. Then you go through, you know, the list of other people that they had passed on. You trade Jordan Montgomery. He ends up being a an absolute powerhouse in the postseason for them and, you know, save them during the, the, the stretch run in the regular season. Nathan Ivaldi, another legendary postseason run to add to his uh, resume, building off of a uh, 2018 with the Red Sox. Um uh, th there's just no excuse here. I think particularly teams like the Yankees and, and Dodgers um, were exposed a little bit here after seeing what the Rangers have done. And I know that one year definitely does not, you know, this one year is not going to characterize the next 10 years of Rangers baseball. Um, but this was a 102 loss team in uh, 2021 and a 94 loss team last year, uh, 90 win team this year, world series champs. Uh some of it is magical. Some of it is luck, but you know, how many, how many, how many times have the Yankees been trying to do anything of note like this since 2017 and they have failed over and over and over again. And each time it, it's felt even worse. So um, I just, I want to enjoy a world series with either the Yankees in it or me not having these feelings, but I, I can't. Simply can't. Jacob, Jacob deGrom wasn't even a part of this. No, he, he made like six starts, but what's important here is, no, the Yankees are never going to be the Texas Rangers, right? The Yankees are never going to be seeking their first World Series in franchise history. There are no crying Yankee fans who are 80 years old who are saying, I'm seeing my first title and I can't believe it. But that doesn't matter because the Yankees' position in the sport is to be the team that everyone's trying to chase, the team that everyone's trying to take down. The Yankees exist to be the monolith. So, like, teams should be proud when they beat the Yankees. It shouldn't be like child's play, like kicking a paper tiger, like beating to make Rangers fans feel accepted in this conversation, the Dallas Cowboys, who've been the Yankees for 20-plus years, 25 years now. Like, 30. everybody knows them. They get to the playoffs a lot. They lose. They're rarely favored to win the World Series. They're usually favored to come in third in the NFC, and then they lose in the second round of the playoffs. Everybody goes, yep, there they go. Goodbye. <laughs> I didn't think you were going to win the World Series. I didn't think you were going to win the Super Bowl. You didn't. See ya. Um, the Corey Seager one, I mean, we'll talk about all the Yankees connections because what what else do we have to do as the Yankees podcast other than talk about the World Series just ended, so we're going to talk about it. But Seager is the one that like is going to chat me forever because some of these are hard. Like Bryce Harper, laugh at Brian Cashman all you want, but saying like, hey, we don't want him to play first base. He's only playing first base because he had Tommy John surgery. He would be playing the outfield. You thought Clint Frazier didn't have a concussion. Judge, I mean, look, they should have signed Bryce Harper, but they got Stanton instead. Stanton's the blocker. So all the bad Cashman quotes, like we have six outfielders. Well, it's because you traded for Stanton instead of Harper. And that ended up being a mistake. Objectively, huge error, mistake. But that's what he was talking about back then. Corey Seager, you don't have to do crazy math. You don't have to be some wizard with a chalkboard trying to figure out, well, if I move this and I take this Pete, like, okay, you don't think Corey Seager's going to be a shortstop forever. Fine. You have some middle infield prospects you believe in. Anthony Volpe, Oswald Peraza. Pick one, trade the other. I would have kept Volpe. I would have made Volpe my second baseman and Seager my shortstop. Traded Peraza. 
but you could feel the opposite. You could trade Volpe for Luis Castillo. You could trade Peraza for something else. That's what GMs do. That's what Craig Breslow with the Red Sox is about to do. He said today, we don't have pitching and we have a lot of position players. So, you know, that's how trades work. That's how trades work. <laughs> that's how trades work. That is literally how trades work. We have a lot of this, not a lot of this. We're going to trade the thing that we have a lot of for something that we don't have. Here's something I literally don't give a shit about. How Corey Seager's contract ages in 11 years. Don't give a fuck. I don't care. I don't care at all. I even saw some Yankee fan tweets that were like, man, year 13 could be rough, but year three is pretty sweet. Yeah, it is. He's the best postseason hitter of this generation. He's the best shortstop in baseball right now, offensively and defensively. He single-handedly prevented an Aroldis Chapman meltdown yes. the other night with a double play, you know, backhand behind the back flip to second base over to first. Uh, so he can hold his own to the position now. You don't have to do crazy math to get Corey Seager in your infield. You don't have to find a position for him. You sign him. He's your shortstop now. He's going to be your shortstop for several more years. Volpe or Peraza, whichever one you prefer, I'd rather keep Volpe, is your second baseman. And then if Seager has to move to third, if Seager has to move to second, great. Volpe or Peraza goes to short, or you sign somebody else, or you develop Trey Sweeney, or develop Roderick Arias. This really is not that hard, but for some reason, the Yankees were so indebted to their minor league pipeline of middle infielders that they've managed to keep both, but not use one, and use one at the wrong position, and use one as justification for passing on a generational talent at shortstop. Anthony Volpe should be, should be, Every Yankee fan's favorite Yankee, the homegrown kid, the hometown hero, the glue, right? The Jeter. Derek Jeter during his career was a winner and a fantastic hitter, but he wasn't Ken Griffey Jr. Corey Seager is a megastar. So if you have a chance to get him in the building, you do. And Volpe plays alongside him and is the fan favorite and is the teenager's favorite and is a great fit on a win and could be a winning player. Corey Seager is a higher ceilinged player than Anthony Volpe. And you could have had both. And again, you don't have to move puzzle pieces around. This is not complex, but Brian Cashman made it overly complex. And Oh, looky here. Not only do we not have Corey Seager, but we decided to get the guy that the Rangers discarded. So they could make room for Seager and Simeon. We entered that offseason needing a shortstop. We got zero. They entered that offseason, I guess, needing a shortstop, but they were a 102 lost team. So they needed a lot of things and they got two. And that's really a simple story. You don't have to overly complicate it. No, and I, I watched the. I actually watched the whole game uh, last night. I don't know if you did. I watched a lot of the post game too. I did. I don't know why. I mean, I had to. I turned the post game off because I wanted to watch Survivor, and it yeah. was 11 p.m. And uh, it was a dull episode of Survivor. I, I I like to soak in the post game because the World Series is only once a year, and when it's over, it's over. But I did decide. You know what? I don't really need to. Seager's going to be the MVP. I don't really need to watch this. And uh, yeah. I regret it, but yeah. I took a gummy, sunk into the couch, was just like, wow, this is cool. I wish this was my team. That'd be nice. I was I, The one thing I was bummed about was uh, a lot of the post-game stuff was lame. Lauren Gardner is such a good friggin' reporter, like trying to get emotion out of, out of the players and asking them questions and, and trying to read the vibe. And then like everybody else is just asking boring questions like how does it feel to be a world series champion have you ever considered that and they're like wow it's great man like the feeling you know like it's great and so uh, there's none of that like the questions aren't good the players aren't that lively um or they're just kind of like so shocked they're not getting asked the right things and you're not getting the entertainment value that you should from it mm -hmm. but either way that's a quick rant that i'll throw in the middle of this all the rangers players when asked 
about anything World Series related, anything about the, the swift turnaround that they've endured, because like we said, horrible team in 2021 and 2022, World Series champion this year. What did these players do? What did Corey Seager do? What did Marcus Simeon do? What did um, uh, uh, Jonah Heim do? What did Josh Spores do? They all credited the ownership and Chris Young, who mm-hmm. leads the front office. And John Daniels, too, and, who like laid the foundation and yeah. is gone now. They love everybody. <laughs> yeah. The, the culture there, you want to talk about, and I know like in the modern day, we talk about workplace culture and every place is like, oh, don't we have a great culture? It's great to work here. It's like, yeah, it's fucking work, dude. It's, Can it's, we get back to the office? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can't wait to get back to the office to work nine to five. That's great. But either way, you look at a team like the Yankees who there's clearly not that bond between, you know, organizationally top to bottom. There is not that open and candid communication that very much is obvious uh based on what the the rangers players and you know chris young i don't know if you guys saw embracing all of his players after the world series uh it it was lovely it was nice to see it felt like everybody was on the same page Corey seager specifically was asked you know why he decided to come to a team that was kind of in down in the dumps and you know missed the postseason tricks six straight years and endured a 100 loss season the year prior before he arrived and he's like you know they pitched me on a vision and i liked what they had to say and they were very accommodating and and very and seemingly very honest and um and very supportive so that's why i felt like choosing here and you know what that could be bullshit i suppose you know money was involved here there's a I was actually reading because all the Dodgers fans are freaking out. Obviously, they didn't re-sign Seager, but the tax on it is huge. The Dodgers would have had to offer Seager a $400 million contract for him to make the same amount of money if he were Mm -hmm. to stay in L.A. So, you know, there are other factors there, but I don't think we've seen many a World Series champion in in years past. I, I don't think, you know, that was one of the more notable ones where the players went out of their way to thank their bosses um, and, and really drive the point home um, and really feel confident about their accomplishments and how they were able to make some sort of a turnaround. Cause you don't typically see turnarounds like this happen. Um, and yeah, I, I am, I'm upset that other teams have that, I guess, camaraderie from, you know, in, in all the different departments of the baseball organization and the Yankees seemingly have this wall in between the business operations and what goes on in the field. And it, it couldn't be more disconnected and it, and it leads to poor performance. I'm, I'm fully confident of that. I don't know if it's true, but again, we had Jabba Chamberlain on here. He alluded to that. Um, you know, you watch the captain documentary when Derek Jeter talked about, um, the front office leaking the contract contract talks when he specifically yeah. asked them that was the only thing he didn't want them to do and they did it anyway and we can go down you know the pipeline of all the other stuff the blindside jordan montgomery trade the jay hap you know uh opener bullshit um the, the list goes on and on and, and it's a pattern and it, it's it's toxic whether it's intentional or not and i and i think that watching what the rangers have done watching the outpour of support and happiness and just overall um, uh, feelings of accomplishment from everybody in that organization shows that the Yankees are really, really behind in in whatever they need to fix. Imagine Brian Cashman hugging someone. No. 
Like anybody who who would he hug hugging a player (laughs) hugging Aaron judge like I can't even like if I asked AI to generate that it would give me like a goat eating an orange it would be like I can't even conceive of that I can't make that for you Um, and you you alluded to this earlier like this the Rangers team is not just uh, you know they don't just have better vibes than the Yankees they don't just do what the Yankees used to a bunch of Astros fans were coping and crying about this World Series being like you spent 800 million dollars just to beat the Astros it's like sorry I can't hear you I'm winning the World Series like who, who gives a shit like spend whatever it takes to make your roster better and there's plenty of unsung heroes yeah. here too they didn't spend on Jonah Heim they didn't spend on Josh Young and yeah they out drafted people to get Evan Carter Evan Carter's a second round pick nobody knew about Yep. And he was their MVP in the DS and CS and then got a little cold in the World Series, but who cares? Um, not only did the Rangers do it the way that the Yankees used to, but they they literally, the, the 102 lost Rangers that you're talking about lost 102 games in large part because their lineup was full of the worst Yankees. The, <laughs> the leaders in plate appearances for the 2019 to 2021 shit Rangers, IKF had the most. 1,127 plate appearances during that time. Joey Gallo, number two. Nick Solak, number three. We had him, too, although we traded him away before he debuted and he was only a Ranger. Then uh, Shinsu Chu, Elvis Andrews, never had those guys. Then Willie Calhoun in the sixth spot and Rugnet Odor in the seven hole, tied with 729. Four of the five, I mean, four of the top seven bad Rangers in plate appearances have been recent Yankees. And then the other one was a Yankees prospect that they traded away before he made his debut. Uh, The Joey Gallo trade, obviously the Yankees are not going to cry in their soup over losing Ezekiel Duran, who was not, you know, he was on this world series roster because Adolis Garcia got hurt. He didn't play and he was terrible during the second half of the season. They're not going to cry in their soup over losing Josh Smith, who was a defensive replacement and pinch runner in this series. They're not going to cry in their soup over losing Glenn Otto, who's no longer on the Rangers or Trevor Hover. They're crying in their soup, which is full of tears at this point about a lot of other things, but it's the sheer fact of Gallo's existence held the Rangers back removing Gallo as the centerpiece of your team in much the same way the Yankees might have to consider removing Giancarlo Stanton as the centerpiece of their team allowed them to take off. 2022 was better without Gallo as the star 2023. Imagine this team with Joey Gallo who struggled again in Minnesota, this Minnesota this year in the find yourself spot. Joey Gallo, one of the most unpleasant to watch Yankees of all time. The Yankees didn't give up much to get him, but getting him did nothing for them. And uh, it's very important, perhaps more important, that IKF was sort of the symbol of that Rangers mediocrity and the Rangers shaking off IKF, trading him to Minnesota for Mitch Garver, who hit in the middle of the order in this World Series. Um, So they trade him, brilliant move, get a brilliant player. Uh, They also give him away so that they can clear their conscience and clear roster space for Simeon and Seager. Uh, Three players Yankee fans should be jealous of, and we just got IKF in 2022 as a starting shortstop miscast, and we got him playing center, left, short, third, second. His importance was only increased this year, and his OPS plus was 78. Nice guy to have in the locker room. Somehow became one of the most important players on the Yankees after being one of the most important players on a hundred two loss Rangers team. So I just you forgot a like couple him. guys though. Who who'd I miss? Ronald Guzman. Yeah. Jose Trevino. Ronald Guzman, the single worst Yankees career maybe ever, too. <laughs> just because it was one game long. 
and uh, involved a bases loaded double play where the he worst. did hustle. So I was there. I was there for that. Yeah. I mean, they had Lance Lynn in tw- uh, 2019. They uh, they were one. Of, they they were they the one who turned him around, right? I mean, he was great there. Yeah. Yeah, we traded him there, or he became a free agent and signed there. Whatever yes. happened after we um, used him as a middle innings guy in yeah. the Boston DS, and he was terrible. Yeah, I mean another another layer of this is their fearlessness with trading prospects. They trade Emmanuel Classe, didn't really give a shit. They managed to figure out how um, they would replace him. Um, they traded Luis on Acuna, um, along with two other what top twelve prospects for Jordan Montgomery on that deadline deal this year. Sure. Is um, yeah, among uh, among other moves. Um, so the fact that you know the Yankees have largely held on to their prospects or have made risk averse moves to um, minimize as much that they have to surrender in return, um, it doesn't get you anywhere. We can go back and we can laugh. You know, uh, we we famously joke about. You think we're actually famous at this point? Um, it's yeah. I mean, it's very famous. Our jokes we, are famous. We're we, not famous. But. We famously joke about how Cashman trades nothing for nothing because he literally does that. Go back and look at any of his trades since what? What would you say? Twenty nineteen, maybe. And it's ab. It's Drek for Drek. The Clay or, Holmes trade was great. Yeah, I, you don't count um, that. I'm, yeah, I mean, there there are a couple where it's like it looks like Drek for Drek, and it's not. Yeah. Talkman for Wandy Peralta, but these are the lowest sure. risk trades of all time. Yeah. And Talkman would have been nice to have on the roster last year. Yeah, but and that's the thing, like none of none of the one none of the moves that Cashman wins on are like franchise altering moves. Like, yeah, having Clay Holmes as a closer, pretty cool. Like that's good, right? I'm 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 happy about that, but. Is that making the Yankees a championship team? No, it's not. It's giving the Yankees a low, you know, a, a cost-effective, high-leverage performer so they can save money and check it off in their analytics binders or whatever the hell they're doing. Um, I, I literally don't know. So it's like Cashman's winning these small market GM moves, which is mm-hmm. like, yeah, sure, like you have an assistant GM to do that for you. Like have somebody else find these diamonds in the rough, if you will, um, and then you can take care of the big boy blockbuster trades, which seemingly, you know, you thought would be uh, part of the job as Yankees general manager. And it's the, the script is flipped. It's cash from making these little dinky, you know, analytics driven or, you know, diamond in the rough moves. And then we're watching all these other teams acquire high impact players. Yeah. Um, and then it comes to the point where like the Yankees have either waited too long to acquire a certain player um, or waited too long to spend in free agency, and then they end up with a Carlos Rodon. They end up with um, a Joey Gallo, um, and that's how that sends the next couple of years completely off course and makes the mood even worse in the Bronx. So, I uh, this has to be this has to be an awakening for. And look, I mean, Cashman, I don't. Nobody in the front office is is going to wake up without a boost here. But um, it, it's on Hal Steinbrenner, and I said it before, like. Was describing baseball to my wife last night. She doesn't watch that much, and I was like, "Yeah, like you know, George George Steinbrenner kind of made like a lot of fuck you moves. Like you know, you look back on a Rod when Texas had to get out of that contract, and he made sure to trade. And the, you know, the second the Red Sox rumor started, he was like, "Nope, absolutely yeah. fucking not. We're getting a Rod, and no one's fucking with us." And it's like there's not that. Uh, I, I you look. I do we. I don't think that George Steinbrenner running the Yankees right now would be the best thing, or it was absolutely necessary. But like you need that. You need that type of 
attitude somewhere in the decision-making process. And the Yankees completely lack that. And you see all these other teams making these aggressive moves, outbidding people to make sure that their rivals or their competitors don't get um, uh, bigger names or, or superior talents. And like the Yankees just don't really do that anymore. And that's part of the problem. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Yeah, um, it is true. We don't say fuck you to anybody. We just say fuck us. We say um, have some fuck you to your ourselves in the mirror. Yeah, ha- our fans should spend the season having some <laughs> some fuck them. Um, well, it's worth talking about. I mean, the comments want to talk about Juan Soto, so we definitely Good. should. Um, Who's co- is it? Fernando? Uh, well, hold on. Now I, I scroll over to my Soto sheet. It's Roberto. I want to talk about Juan Soto. Roberto. Okay. Um, the Yankees certainly are. Uh, you know, I'm look. I'm not putting my chips in. I'm not saying like, hey, I believe we're about to get Juan Soto for sure. I just think the offseason's a failure without Juan Soto. Uh, I had somebody arguing with me in my DMs the other day about how we have to prioritize defense. The dynasty had, you know, two-way players in the outfield. And to that, I say, we need to prioritize getting a 50-homer lefty bat with a 480 OBP like Juan Soto. What if they don't trade Soto, though? Is that still a failure to you? Uh, if the Padres don't trade Juan Soto. Yeah. I mean, no, it, it is what it is. I just don't – I don't think we're getting him. I'm not putting my chips in that in that bin, but – we heard the Padres wanted to shed $50 million from their payroll earlier in the offseason. We were kind of like, why would, uh, you know, why would they do that? They, they just, they just went all in. They offered Aaron judge 400 plus million dollars. Why would they decide to just lop that off? Like they, they were the perceived NL favorites last year. And now they're just like, eh, we, you know, one year's enough, you know, toxic manager, owner relationship, GM, you know, we'll just get out of here. Uh, well, it turns out they borrowed $50 million cash in September, not just to like, I don't know, have or insure themselves, but to literally cover payroll and other, you know, necessary payments. Dueling opinions in the athletic article about this. Some people said, hey, you know, teams borrow cash all the time. And then other sources said, uh, yeah, the Padres asked MLB for a hundred million dollars approval for a loan of a hundred million dollars. And MLB said, that's a lot. And they said, okay, great. Well, we really need 50 million from this outside firm. And MLB said, fine. So if you are a baseball team with an arbitration eligible player in his final year, about to make $30 million this year, maybe, and you're trying to borrow a hundred million dollars to make your payroll and you stink and you fired the manager ostensibly, you didn't fire him, but you said you can go elsewhere and talk to your other friends. I do feel like they are going to trade Juan Soto now. I feel like the return for Soto, if we thought it was going to be light before, it's going to be even lighter now. Take Matt Carpenter, take Jake Cronenworth. Uh, I, I don't think uh, I don't think they're holding on to Soto, and I also think uh, nobody should be off limits for the Yankees except for Dominguez and Volpe here. I don't think they should have to trade Peraza. I don't think they should have to trade Spencer Jones. I think it's Pereira and pitching prospects yeah. and Clark Schmidt maybe, but I also am not stopping this trade really for anybody. 
No, I wouldn't either. I, I do question what the Padres are doing. Is Are they operating finances like they're a 21-year-old? I like... I can directly compare this to when I was 21 and in a casino and lost like the $300 I went there with and used the only credit card I had on me, which was my parents to take out $100 on credit in the casino. What are they doing? What, how, what, what, how are you in this position as you know, and the, the, the attendance that they've had over the years has actually increased. I think they were top five in the league again this year. Yeah, so they were huge. They're what is the money managing situation over there? I understand it's a lot of money. Um, or like, how about as simple as this? Don't pay Xander Bogarts all that money, who was clearly like the least desirable high profile free agent out there in terms of what he was commanding. Like, I, I don't know. Either way, if it works out in our favor, great. Um, in terms of the trade, yes. I think Juan Soto would be a great fit on the Yankees. Yeah. Uh, perfect fit. Um, as I mean, famously, we've said that too. I don't know if many other people have thought Juan Soto would be a good fit on the Yankees, but I know that for a fact we've 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 made sure that everybody would yeah. know that. We're um, first we're first to this one, I think. Nobody else again. Uh, if you're not paying attention to the San Diego Padres, you should be because they got all-stars like Juan Soto. <laughs> Just kidding, guys. We're effing around. Yeah. Um, that was a big F around. Right yeah. Now. In terms of who to trade yeah i mean honestly i don't think i trade jason dominguez here that's no that's that's where i draw the line just because um that's the most promising you know rookie start we've seen from a yankee in i don't know how long because remember aaron judge's start in the bronx was not the greatest um he had a lot of strikeout issues um stuff with his mechanics batting wise trading dominguez at his lowest too he's recovering from exactly elbow surgery he's not playing until july so no yeah so uh i think that's where i saw and the only reason i say that guys relax i'm not a prospect hugger it's just because i don't trust the yankees to extend soto so I don't think it's smart to trade six years of jason dominguez for one year of soto when yes while soto is a great addition to the yankees a lot of other problems with this team there's a lot of pitching that's needed there's a lot of defensive issues um remember they they need an out they they need a couple of outfielders and adam showed you the outfield market it's bad um so on top of and don't and remember on top of that if they're not going to be diving into free agency because there's going to be a lot of bidding wars for the top names out there maybe they get some maybe they don't i don't know we'll see what happens um they're going to have to utilize whatever prospect capital they have as best they can to acquire other pieces um, whether it be an outfielder, whether it be a starter, if they lose out on a couple of um, bigger options available in free agency, um, whether it be um, a third baseman, whether it be trading Glaber Torres and having to fill in second base, I don't know what it is. Whether it be getting rid of Anthony Rizzo, I don't, I don't know. But there's there's a lot of stuff that that needs to happen outside of just a Soto move. We've seen what this lineup has done without and with Aaron Judge in it. It is still not enough to win. Um, we thought it was enough to win last year, um, and they got boat raced in the postseason and got taken to the brink of, in the ALDS against a clearly inferior roster in the Guardians who did not make the postseason this year. So a lot of problems. Soto does not solve everything, and you gotta be you got to be somewhat calculated here. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not uh, endorsing uh, lack of aggression because I know that that's going to be key because a lot of other teams are going to want to do this, but – um, I draw the line at Dominguez um, and like 
I think a lot of these other insiders have said, I think AJ Preller is smart enough to know that he's not getting, he's probably not getting Dominguez. He's probably not getting Volpe and he's probably not getting Spencer Jones for a year of Juan Soto, who is going to be making 30 million next year. And you know, is probably going to test free agency because his agent is Scott Boris. Yeah. And Scott Boris typically takes his clients out into the open market and doesn't have them sign extensions. So there's a lot going on here. Um, but yeah, I think that there's probably an understanding and now with all this information coming out about their financial issues, I think that the leverage that the Padres might have is dwindling. Um, but yeah, that, that that's that's my take on it. Yeah, the, you also worry about Peter Seidler, who like was the, you know yeah. the businessman, the chairman of the Padres, who was sort of the one leading the charge. You know, will outspend anybody. He underwent an unspecified medical procedure last month, and quote is now on the road to recovery. I, I hope he's well. But that also sort of feels like, hey, the financial disconnect started when this guy was under the weather and, and removed from the team a little bit. If Preller, you know, you just worry about the Yankees tax. If Preller wants to do a Yankees tax, then maybe we're going to get asked for Dominguez and the Cubs are going to get asked for like, hey, you know what? Come up with a trade package later. We don't care. Like, who do you want to get rid of? Nico Horner, Nick Madrigal? Yeah, whatever, whatever you want to do. Um, so no Yankees tax, please. Uh, Juan Soto is absolutely testing the open market. The Padres would be crazy. I think the Padres holding on to Soto now would be like the Angels holding on to Shohei Otani last year in hopes of trading him at the deadline and then not doing that, then going for it instead. Yeah. Soto turned down a $440 million 15-year deal with the Nationals. So he wants to top $440 million any, I mean, 29 million AAV on that offer is nothing. So obviously he wants to top that, but he's going to want to top 440 if he can, or maybe fewer years, maybe it's 440 in total and the AAV goes up. He's at least going to want to approach it 420, 430. So you're paying a lot of money for Juan Soto next year. Mm -hmm. This is a one-year commitment. This is a one-year commitment for a team flailing financially. This is a one-year commitment for a team that failed to make the postseason last year and was baseball's biggest disappointment. This was a team that had chemistry issues, reportedly. Who's causing them? I don't know. Not me, but I'd love to get to the bottom of it, and I'd love for the bottom of it to end with Juan Soto in the Bronx. I, I want good defenders, too, right? Yeah. I want good defenders, too. I do, but I do not want to pass on Juan Soto in the name of getting Kevin Kiermeyer in my outfield. <laughs> imagine that would be that would be the end of everything. it's the blue jays it's the blue jays. we called it last year we said this is not smart and then the people they traded to arizona doubled up dalton varsho's war this year and sent the diamondbacks to the world series it's a hall of fame take by us and we were absolutely correct and if the yankees do that i'm gonna call it out again i'm gonna say you, you don't just put it would be with the same player kiermeyer's the same guy jim Bowden saying the Yankees should reunite with harrison bader like I would do both of those things, but not at the expense of getting a guy like Juan Soto, who is generationally talented. I think it was generationally. I think another great famous take from us, Blue Jays take. How many, how many more do you guys want? How many more do you guys want? You want to check out something really funny. Go to the Twitter account. Look at the ratio on the tweet about why the Yankees did not trade for Dalton Varsho and how the Blue Jays should be wary about giving up Gabriel Moreno. We tweeted it before the season. The ratio is 70 Blue Jays fans shitting on it in March, then 80 more Blue Jays fans shitting on it on April 3rd or whatever, because Varsho homered against the Yankees, and then radio silence because they figured out, oh my God, they were 100% right. So it's very funny to look back. It's a bunch of people on April 6th being like, update, uh, 
Or like that feeling when Yanks go yard doesn't want to trade for one of the best outfielders in baseball. It's like, you guys want to come uh, collect your, come on, get as a, a famous boxer once said in the ESPN Sports Center out with Charlie Steiner, come on and get your whooping. Hey, Blue Jays fans, come on, get your whooping. It's about time for that whooping. Um, who's get, who's getting the whooping in the audit? Who's what getting is it? the audit? We we finally found out what the company is today. But does that tell you what it is? It didn't tell me much. Go go go, go and try to interpret the audit. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, look, it's the company that is run by former Dodgers executives and has um, a lot of baseball knowledge. Um, cool. Great. I don't know. Again, we don't know exactly what the audit's going to entail. Well, it's an amazing company name. It's called Zealous Analytics, Z-E-L-U-S Analytics, uh, run by former Yankees utility man Zealous Wheeler. No, not really. But no. um a firm that aims, as Evan Drellick wrote in 2021, to do analytics better than teams do analytics, uh, run by some former Dodgers, you know, some founders of the Dodgers analytics department, uh, some former Phillies execs in there too. Uh, great. Uh, the, you know, the external person that Brendan Cuddy spoke to said that their staff is, quote, a dream team of analytics. Everybody at zealous analytics sounds like a really smart guy or or woman or smart person who can help take the Yankees to the next level but what are they really doing because they're not changing the Yankees processes they're just talking to them uh the Yankees can I guess ignore what zealous analytics tells them it's better to talk to them than not talk to them but what power does zealous analytics have additionally the investment firm that helped finance a big round of investments in Zealous Analytics' latest round also helped the Yankees invest in AC Milan. So was this just like, hey, are we share an investment firm? Just the investment firm networking to, hey, Yankees, meet Zealous Analytics. Like, we financed both of you. I don't know. It, it seems like good people to talk to, but follow the money and the money is always just you know there's so much money floating around so many people have so much money and do so little with it are they really doing anything or are they just self-financing each other's existence while having expensive dinners i don't know i don't that's why i don't i don't i never liked the way this sounded once everything kind of deviated we thought it was going to be an independent company coming in to kind of shred the yankees apart and now it seems like it's just going to be a group giving a report to somebody. They're like going to give the report to Brian Cashman. Cashman, like, yep, great, okay, cool. And then he's yep. going to burn it. He's going to tell Hal didn't find anything. Um, and then Randy Levine's going to pop on the airwaves and say how uh, Zealous Analytics is a giant sham. They robbed Zealous him of money. Analytics, yeah, Zealous just Analytics, like the Marlins, like financing each other, like uh, sending in expense reports for Blades. Like Randy Levine being like, what are these 12 blades? And they're like, we went out to, you know, Southampton with zealous analytics for a weekend <laughs> of pumpkining and squash hunting. We made some muffins. And then uh, ultimately I do think we should keep Aaron Boone and Brian Cashman. It's like, okay, well, I don't approve this. <laughs> we went pumpkin picking with zealous analytics. <laughs> Did you guys not see the Instagram? It was yes. a great time. <laughs> Did you not see the, uh, the promotional Instagram that we had for this? So the fans would understand what we're doing. You know, they do cinnamon rims now on their pumpkin beers. I think that's interesting. <laughs> Right. Cinnamon, we don't do cinnamon. It's an extra charge. 
Dylan, Dylan Matanzas is in here. Dylan Matanzas is still there. Being like, I don't know <laughs> yes. why I'm here. No, no, I know. Randy told me no cinnamon. He, I couldn't expense cinnamon back yeah. in, back in 2018. Um, I, look, I it's moving along. Uh, I think we voice our opinion here quite loudly. Uh, this is far too late in the game. Again, once the once the World Series ends, the offseason starts five days later. Um, do I think there's going to be a rush to sign everybody right off the bat? No, usually it takes a couple of weeks for things to start materializing. But uh, our concern with the Yankees, sense of urgency, I think that lives on with just about every fan. Um, they've had a month to figure stuff out. Season ended a month ago. We haven't heard from them. Not only have we not heard from the audit, we have not heard a word from these people other than some conversations about how they plan to eventually have conversations. Yeah. It's they're kicking the can down the road to have conversations, which I don't know, maybe there's, uh, maybe they've had conversations that we don't know about potentially we could be being unfair, but um, guess what? It is the organization's job to, uh, provide information to the fan base um who exists to hold them accountable and exists to provide them profit i understand the the yankees you know don't need every last fan to have their operation moving but um you know you're looking at a situation like the padres where they're having cash flow problems like that's part partially fan stuff like you need you need people engaged you need people spending money you need people what's going on and Yankee fans deserve an explanation after whatever has happened over the last, you know, 15 years, um, because a lot has gone on um, that has worked for other teams. uh, And we're still implementing the same philosophies, the same practices that continue to not work year over year. So the Yankees going radio silent for a month, um, orchestrating this audit, which is not the audit that we believed it was going to be initially. Um, right before the off season starts. Um, it all just feels very irresponsible. It all just feel, unless they already have in mind what they're going to do, but at the same time, it's like, don't you also need to be prepared to make other decisions? If the, if the audit is going to reveal some information, um, that has you pivoting of some sort, or, you know, recommending you get rid of certain players, like having that information as early as possible. So you can get preliminary conversations started would be great. I don't know. I, I, again, that all could be happening, but the fact that we've heard nothing and it's been a full month now since the season ended, and now we have a crown world series champion at our expense and the off season's beginning in four days. I don't know how this makes anybody feel good. I don't know how the Yankees think that this is correct and responsible. Um, I love Aaron judge said the other night that changes are coming. Don't know what that means. I simply don't know what that means. Monday night at the world series, Mm-hmm. Um, he was awarded with the Roberto Clemente award, uh, prestigious stuff. Very happy for Aaron judge. It um, takes a saint to be on the current Yankees roster. So you, you, a Yankee should win the Roberto Clemente award every single year for charitable <laughs> work of being on the Yankees. <laughs> he, uh, accepted the award and he had a funny comment, funny, but also concerning. He talked about how, when he was reached out, uh, his PR team reached out to him, uh, to deliver the news. And he said he thought a trade was happening, mm-hmm. um, which I don't know what that means because Aaron judge has a no trade clause, so he can't get traded. But what was he scared or concerned about? Was he scared or concerned that um, uh, Randy Levine pulled out that trade clause at the at the 96 hours of negotiations and he no longer had it? Was he concerned that the Yankees traded one of his 
favorite teammates? Was he concerned the Yankees made a bad trade? Um, was he concerned that the Yankees made an illegal trade? Because you can't fucking make trades right now. I don't know. Either way, that comment was odd. And then obviously, you know, he's at this event or he's at the World Series um, accepting this award, palling around with the players, signing autographs. It was actually all great. But then he's asked questions about the Yankees. And he's saying changes are coming, blah, 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 looking into a lot of things. And it's like, feel like we've been looking into a lot of things for a while. Like we haven't identified, you know, Hal Steinbrenner said a couple of weeks ago, they've identified stuff, but he's still said nothing. And there's been no public, you know, announcements of any changes. So uh, it seems like a lot of lip service here, a lot of lip service that again is not doing the job of lip service. It's, it's, it's like, you know, two steps away from actually getting fans to simmer down and quiet and, and actually have a constructive conversation about what's happening. So a lot of things that are not happening for a team that should be a lot more urgent in their practices, a team that should be a lot more self-accountable with what has occurred since 2017, and we're just still not getting it. No, uh, and I'm sure, again, like it's not, it is not fair to say, hey, they're not having important conversations or, hey, yeah. they're not you know, interacting with Aaron Judge, but this team has not earned fairness right now. They're, they're no. going to have to sit and stew in this for a little while. The same soup that they're not crying into. They got to sit in that soup. Um, <laughs> like we're, we're, we're going to, we'll start being fair if they start making moves that make sense in a pivotal offseason. But right now they have not earned fairness at all. So they've earned scorn. It's been a tough month. It's been a tough two months. We've really been screaming about a lot of the same stuff. Screaming. Even as the Rangers, an unrelated to the Yankees team on the service, win the World Series. We're still screaming about a lot of the same stuff. And by the way, that cute picture of Nathan Evaldi or Oldest Chapman, Jordan Montgomery, and Andrew Heaney posing with the trophy. Yes, what do you think that was? That was a shot at the Yankees. It had to have been. No shit. They were not teammates with Andrew Heaney in New York. Nathan Evaldi was here in 16 with Aroldis Chapman. They were old Yankees teammates, and I guess they were friends. Jordan Montgomery was in the Yankees minor league system. Didn't debut in the big leagues until 17 when Nathan Evaldi was already gone. But I'll give you that they crossed paths. Andrew Heaney, the only association he has with those other three guys, there are two of them. One is on the current World Series champion Rangers, and the other is escaped the new york yankees they didn't play together in new york they didn't come up together ivaldi and andrew heaney were both on the 2014 marlins together so i guess boys he could have said hey aroldis and jordan my two best friends come meet andrew my friend from eight years ago in the marlins system <laughs> the way more logical thing is that they were all like, ha, 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 we were all on the Yankees at some point, <laughs> and now we're here. Yeah, That's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. We should take a picture together. Uh, there's really no other logical explanation. And and while stuff like that is happening, and while Corey Seager's winning the World Series MVP, Yankees are going to get laughed at. Sorry, you just are. We're not going to be fair to you. And uh, we're trying to be fair. We're trying to find a spot for Nick Swisher. We're trying to be fair to the Yankees in one regard. Yeah. We're hearing rumors that, this this one should be easy too. Like we're hearing rumors that Nick Swisher is going to play a more prominent role in next year's personnel work in the search for front office, you know, people that that Swisher traveled with Omar Minaya at the end of last year when Cashman was gone. That he was in the tough meetings they already had with Hal Steinbrenner at his compound in Florida. That's great. I, maybe Nick Swisher will be a great member of the Yankees front office, but I do think Nick Swisher might be the best bench coach in the history of baseball like just judging on 2009 to 2012 
Nick Swisher and AJ Burnett immediately galvanized and changed the Yankees locker room. AJ Burnett, like Java told us, was not made for New York. So it's very funny that he was such an integral part of loosening that clubhouse. But I don't think it's a coincidence that that team had a bunch of superstars, but also people like Nick Swisher who kept them loose yeah. and managed to win the World Series and rarely face adversity that postseason. Now the Yankees have Carlos Mendoza, their current bench coach, who's interviewing for a lot of managerial roles. He's interviewing with the Guardians. He interviewed with the Giants, and it apparently went well, but obviously they couldn't pass on Bob Melvin. He just interviewed with the Mets. He's going to get one of these someday. You have a perfect opportunity to get Nick Swisher in the dugout right now, and you better take it if it comes to you, because this is a ready-made replacement to give Swisher a chance to do the job he was born to do. Of course, he was born to be star, all-star level outfielder, but he's born to do this now. The Yankees have a clear path to make it happen, and they have to. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just like, we, we've hired enough of Aaron Boone's friends, right? I don't care if Nick Swisher and Aaron Boone are best friends. Uh, Josh Bard was our bench coach for a while. He left. Sean Casey was our hitting coach for two months. He left. Like, clearly, you know, you know. A we got fire that one year. It was Nevin, Marcus Timms, and. Nevin, uh, his boy. Somebody else. Was that Bard that year, too? Reggie Willits left um but like i don't like hiring aaron boone's friends is getting as a whole heaping helping of nowhere so i don't really care about the previous relationship between swisher and boone i just want uh chemistry fits in the yankees dugout and i think this is one of them yeah i agree i would love this the only other concern that i have is carlos mendoza leaving i feel like carlos mendoza is fucking good um you it's funny uh there was uh he was said to be He's out of the Guardians uh, run. The, the Guardians, I guess, have eliminated um, people from their process and have finalists. He interviewed early on. That was like, I think, in the beginning of October, maybe. Um, and that's when the concern first popped up because it was like, Carlos Mendoza's taken over a bunch of times as manager when Aaron Boone's gotten ejected. And if you watched any of his post games, it is night and day. He actually has words to speak. He knows what is going on. He's an articulate man. Um, I, th I think it's of great value that he's bilingual. Um, he seems more of a stoic presence and um, a strategic presence rather than your friggin' friend in the dugout, which obviously a lot of the reviews that we seem to get from players in terms of Boone being a player manager, it's, He's everybody's friend and he's not really a disciplinarian. And, you know, that's, that's kind of the vibe that we're getting from it. Um, I don't want to lose Mendoza. I, you know, if there's, if Aaron Boone's going into the last year of his contract, right next season mm -hmm. um, before the option kicks in, like, I think you need to have an infrastructure set up behind him. And I think that infrastructure could be Mendoza, you know, a combination of Mendoza and Swisher. Mendoza taking over as manager and Swisher. Because, like, who are the Yankees getting as manager at this point? They missed out on Bochi. They had the chance they didn't do it. They missed out on Bob Melvin twice. They had the chance they didn't do it. Um, I don't think you're going after Joe Madden at this point. Um, Buck Showalter, you're not doing that either. Um, so unless you're discovering the next new young hip dude who's going to manage the team, which I don't trust the Yankees to do at this point, especially no. if they're going to be overgoing some sort of analytics overhaul, you keep the guy who is a calming presence, who is, um, I think, a strategic baseball mind who can connect with both the the um, the, the Latin players and um, and the American players, and somebody who is well spoken in front of the media, and it doesn't really get flustered easily. That's probably your guy for New York, um, because 
I think a lot of people have been fed up with the responses that we get. It's clear that, you know, Boone could be a mouthpiece for the front office because he constantly has no answers for anything. And the front office is just telling him what to say or what to do. And he's stumped because of, you know, the information that he has to guard or whatever it is. Um, and even when he tries to shut down a conversation, he doesn't do it correctly. He either gets super tense about it and it's obvious that he's hiding something or he just starts, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, it's just, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's right in front of us. Um, so I, I just, I, I don't like it's, he's not, he's not well-trained and you thought that it would probably get better since he's been here for so long, but it's not. And the Yankees need more of, I think, a, a dugout lieutenant and somebody who is truly going to be um, of the Derek Jeter mold in front of the media, of the Joe Torre mold in front of the media. Um, I know it's it's a tired act for us to talk about all these players and figures who have been here before, but that's the blueprint. New York's a hard fucking place to be. It's not easy. It's very difficult to deal with the media. It's very difficult to deal with the fans. It's very difficult to deal with the backlash. Like the list goes on and on. You need people who are resilient, who have, you know, the strong will to get beyond it and to work with it like G Derek Jeter has talked so many times previously about how he used the media as a tool for himself um because he knew that you know speaking and and being receptive and and also being respectful while also providing you know some sort of information would allow for a better relationship would allow for the flow of in information um to I guess be more positive or more you know less toxic which we can we get stuck with a lot seeing in new york so again the yankees have had the answer in front of them and they they've deviated away from it and i know that you know joe tories and Derek jeters are not a dime a dozen but you've had a long time to figure it out since then and you've really not figured it out at all so something's got to give here something very much has to give here we've we need a button a sound bite that just says aaron boone is not the problem but because we say it in every show like yeah. Aaron Boone, is he the, the number one thing that's wrong with the New York Yankees? No. Is he the number three thing that's wrong with the New York Yankees? No. Is he a great manager? No. So our standards are just that low that like we, we were lulled into a place where we're like, is Aaron Boone the biggest problem with the team? No. So therefore oh. he should be allowed to stick around for a while. I mean, I wish it weren't that way, but it just is. There's so much to sort out at the end of this contract. I think he'll probably leave, but yes. I have, like you said, no idea who he'll be replaced with. And uh, we're going to really have a, you think this off season's fun. Next off season is going to be way more fun um, in terms of insanity, because I'm already pre annoyed by them not doing anything this off season. Cause I figured, I figured this off season was either going to be completely crazy or just cause us to rant our faces off because they don't do any business. And then I, when we actually got the chance to sit down and look at the free agent market and look at the trade market, it's like, it's Juan Soto slam dunk home run but he might not be available or on the market uh cody bellinger <laughs> who i don't really want yamamoto who i obviously want but doesn't really solve their primary issue which is they can't hit a lick and then the options are like eh, 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 eh. just kind of a bunch of names that we'd have to get used to austin wells might out hit every free agent offensive player the Yankees import next Maybe. year like it's going to be a really weird offseason it's not going to be quite as fireworks as I thought it might be. And there aren't even a lot of big names changing hands. Like Shohei Otani, obviously the biggest one. 
you got to worry about where he goes for sure. And if the Red Sox come back out of the pile and pursue Shohei Otani, then I will certainly be screaming. But right now, it kind of just feels like, what, the Red Sox are going to sign Aaron Nola? Am I going to punch air at the Red Sox signing Aaron Nola? I'll be a little bummed, but it's not like an offseason. It's not an offseason where there's a lot of huge monstrous names changing hands. And if they are changing hands, they're being paid $540 million to do so. So it's only the upper crust, upper echelon teams that are going to be able to get in that business. Um, We're going to have a lot of different names. We're going to have a lot of different names on the New York Yankees next year. That's really all I can say with great certainty. The free agents hit the market today. Luis Severino not coming back. IKF not coming back. Wandy Peralta probably not coming back. Montas, we'll see. Next couple of days. Keenan Middleton, Luke Weaver, the 40 man, even even thicker with people that we don't need. Yeah. Branchy Cordero. Glaber Torres could get traded. Like there's the could be gones, and then there's the will be gones. And the will be gones, there's like 10 of them. The 40 man is probably 13 guys who can go. That might be not even generous. It might be 16. So at the very least, there's going to be a lot of turnover this offseason. But I don't know if there's going to be that immediate. If they don't get Soto, honestly, if they don't get Soto, because Bellinger doesn't do it for me and Yamamoto is just a different need. If they don't get Soto, there's not going to be that slam dunk moment of like, this is different. This team shook things up and got crazy. It'll just be like, otherwise, it'll just be this team spent money on the most expensive people who happen to be available this offseason. And we'll see if it works. We'll see if it works. I'll tell you what, though. I don't want any of the upper crust guys because they don't sound good. Bellinger, I'm, I'm warning everybody. Bellinger's exit velocity went way down last year. I don't know what he fixed. I don't know how he hit 320 or with, with power, but uh, he, he probably shouldn't have. So but we'll see. We'll, we'll just see. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I guess that's it, guys. What, do you, what else do you want? What else do you want to see all about? Uh, Another resign. Like, eh, I guess that's the end of the podcast, the end of the hour. I mean, it was a great show. Uh, we will be right back uh, next Monday at 2 o'clock Eastern on this feed. We're on all podcast platforms. You can subscribe to us on YouTube. You can subscribe to us on all podcast platforms. You can rate and review us anywhere. Next Thursday, we got a big show. I think mm. you guys will really enjoy it. Next Monday, it'll also be equally big, as big as this one. The offseason will have started. Some stuff will have happened. Something might have already materialized. Frank, we might do a half hour on, on the Frankie Montas deal right up top. Maybe Montas will again admit that he had a, a bird's nest in his shoulder when the Yankees traded for him at the 2022 deadline. That might be nice. I don't know. We'll, we'll have some maneuvers to discuss maybe, at least somebody else's if not ours, on Monday. Uh, we'll play GM all offseason, Fernando. We can't wait. Um, I'm Adam Weinrib. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinrib. Thomas Carinante, where can the people find you? Hey, guys. I'm at Tommy's underscore takes. The both of us are at the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. Don't forget about Super Draft Daily Fantasy. Promo code FAN supports us. Gets you a free 20 bucks. Enjoy it. Have a good time. we got a big weekend of football coming up. Thursday Night Football tonight. Who the fuck is playing? I don't know. Um, oh, it's the uh, Steelers and somebody else. Steelers and someone weird. Um Head on over to yanksgoyard.com. We got plenty of content there for you. A lot of World Series fallout. And then our off-season stuff is about to heat up, getting stuff planned for next week when everything starts to uh, roll into motion. I am guessing there's going to be a bunch of roster decisions right off the top when we begin next week. Um, and then things are gonna, we're going to hear about negotiations. We're going to hear about markets materializing. You'll probably have some Scott Boris quotes there um to do whatever you want with as as we all do um but we appreciate you guys tuning in we appreciate you reading 
have yourselves a good weekend. Enjoy some football. Have some fun. Baseball is done. It's over. We have no more games to talk about. We'll just be talking about speculation, transactions, whatever you want to call it. Um, and that's life until spring training. So let that settle in this weekend. We'll talk to you again on Monday, 2 p.m. Eastern live right here. Have a good one. But for some people, the offseason stuff is the real fun. So it for is. you offseason heads, we'll see you for the next couple months. We'll see you at the winter meetings. We'll see you at the GM meetings, whatever they happen head. to be. Uh, we'll keep track of the rumors right here. Join us live twice a week. If not more, keep your alerts on. Keep your noties on. We might go live at any time. Something crazy goes down. Until Monday, probably. I don't think anything will happen tomorrow. We'll catch you next BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.